Good morning. I want to welcome you to Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning. We want to take notice of our beautiful flower arrangement that is placed in our sanctuary this morning. It is in honor of Molly and Maggie McCulloch and Georgia Guffey. And so we wanted to take, place of the, uh, take notice of these flowers that are placed here this morning. I have just a few very quick brief announcements. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we have our fall spiritual growth series. Um, we'll continue in our um, fellowship hall, and so we would invite you to come and be a part of that this evening. I also wanted you to take notice of in the back in our lobby this morning, there were um, handouts for the youth golf tournament. This is an annual tournament that we do every year. We invite you to take a look at that flyer that's back there. Um, contact me or Donnie Hastings if you have any questions, if you're interested in being a whole sponsor, or if you're interested in playing. We would love to have you as that's coming up here in just a few weeks. As I said, we are excited and we are glad that you have chosen uh, to worship with us this morning. I would invite you to prepare your hearts for meditation and for worship this morning as we worship our God. Okay, let's all stand and sing to the Lord about the day that he has given us. This is the day. This is the
Miss Ellen, obviously. <laughs> My name's Mary, and I usually work with the youth. I'm Alan's wife, if any of you know him. This morning, I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 139. How can I get away from your spirit? Where can I go to escape from you? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I lie down in the deepest parts of the earth, you are there. Your hand will always be there to guide me. Your right hand will still be holding me close. Who can tell me what this is? A globe. A globe. What does a globe do? It shows you. It shows you all the countries. Yeah, it shows you all the countries. It shows you where places are. So right here is North Carolina. And that's where we are right now. And right now, God's with us. When I was your age, I lived down here in Louisiana. That's 16 hours away if you drive in a car. That's like two whole school days in a car. It's a long time. Who knows Hannah Thurman? She's back there. Hannah, wave. <laughs> Hannah, this summer, she went to Honduras, which is all the way down there. And we are here in North Carolina. Even when Hannah was in Honduras, all the way down here, God was still with her. Just like he's with us right now in North Carolina. And then Miss Bonnie, she's over there. Say hi, Miss Bonnie. Miss Bonnie lived over here in South Africa. That's way down here, and we're way over here. That's a long way, isn't it? Even when Miss Bonnie was way down here, God was still with her just like she's with us right now. So no matter where we are or where we go in this big globe, God will always, always be with us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your promise of faithfulness. Thank you for always being with us no matter where we are or what we're doing. God, I pray that you bless these children as they start their week and go throughout their week. And I pray that they know that you are always with them and that they are never alone. It's in your name I pray. Amen. There's no children's church today, so I invite you to go back to your families. Our scripture lesson today is from Jeremiah 29, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 7. These are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the elders of the exile, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Then in verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, 
and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. May God add his blessings to the reading of his scripture. Our next hymn is number 405, Have Faith in God. Please stand and sing all four verses of Have Faith in God. Jesus is all he can know. 
Before I pray this morning, I would like to remind you that we do have a lunch after the service today. It's a feed the flock lunch and a ministry parade lunch. Uh, it has two purposes. One is to support our children and the various ministry opportunities that they have throughout the year. And so whether you have, uh, if you don't have any lunch plans at all today and you were unaware of this lunch, we encourage you to please stay and join us for this time of fellowship. And um, anyone can leave any amount they would like in a, in a pot uh, that goes, again, towards our children. And if you've come unprepared today financially, that's okay as well. You come and join us. Also, there'll be a ministry parade. You'll see posters and trifolds around the LEC over there that talk about and speak of and describe the various ministries here at Boiling Springs, the various committees you could be involved in, different ministry groups you could be involved in. The Lord has gifted and blessed each of us uh, with talents and with gifts and skill sets, and we would love for you to find your place of ministry here at Boiling Springs. And so please come and join us today for that lunch. Let's, uh, of course, be mindful of many of those in uh, eastern North Carolina and throughout the southeast, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, that have suffered from Hurricane Matthew over these last few days. And some are still dealing with that, not only, I mean, and will be for days and days ahead. And let's remember our friends to the south of us uh, in the Caribbean and Haiti. Uh, let's pray for them. It's, it's devastation. And um, if there are ways that we find that you can support and help relief efforts, we will let you know. I know our North Carolina Baptist men, of which we support through the offering that you have been giving to the last few weeks with our North Carolina uh, missions, off missions offering, uh, monies from those offerings go to help with disaster relief and our North Carolina Baptist men. And so uh, let's be in prayer for them as they have already been mobilizing and are already on site in places. And uh, if we become, again, if we become aware of areas and ways that you can help, we will let you know of those. Join me now in prayer. Father, we praise you for your goodness. We praise you for the activities and ministries that have already taken place under the umbrella of Boiling Springs Baptist this morning for men's studies, uh, for other groups that have met for Sunday school hour. Father, we're anticipating you to move and work among us and speak to us in this hour as we continue to worship you. Father, if we've come into this place today distracted, we pray, Lord, that we would put our full attention upon you. We come in here with thoughts and concerns and burdens and cares, Lord, that uh, we bring in here from maybe from our homes, from our businesses, from relationships. Father, help us to put those at your feet this morning. Father, for those that need direction with decisions that need to be made, we pray that you would speak to their hearts. For those that need encouragement this morning, they've just kind of been doing that same old thing as we talked about last Sunday, and Lord, they just need a word from you today, and we pray that they would hear that word. God, for those who are suffering with grief this morning, we pray that you would be that good shepherd and walk beside them during this difficult time. Lord, we're grateful for the ways that you walk with us through the mountains and down in the valleys of life. And Father, you remind us that you are with us, as Mary so um, did a great job of reminding the children of that in our children's sermon. Father, you are with us. Uh, no matter what we may go through. And Father, help us to claim the promises that are found within your word today that remind us of that. Lord, remind us as we have read scripture now and we'll be looking at the sermon in a moment that, Lord, you are uh, there in the midst of our current circumstances. And as your people, you have called us to make the best of the circumstances that we have been dealt with. The people of Israel were dealt a hard blow as many were deported off to Babylon there in Jeremiah. And Lord, we're going to look at that this morning. But Father, help us to be mindful of the fact that we may not be where we want to be. But Lord, you've called us to be your people and your church right here, 
right now where you've placed us. Lord, those college students that are here this morning, I ask for your blessing on them as they seek to, to be good students. Lord, bless them in their work. Father, bless each family here today, each individual here today. Lord, you know their needs, and I pray today that you would meet them at the point of their need. Father, we do pray for those in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, all up and down the East Coast that are struggling from this. Father, we pray that your grace and your mercy, your presence, your provision, Father, would minister to them at this time. Father, bless those south of us in the Caribbean. Father, especially the country of Haiti. Lord, uh, it's devastating for them to go through something like this. And Lord, help us to know how we can and what we can do other than pray for them. Lord, help us to be faithful in doing that. But Lord, help us to seek you and to look within ourselves about other things that we can do. Father, help them in their recovery efforts. Bless our service today, Father. Lord, we want you to have freedom to move within us as individuals and as a church today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is from the Old Testament in Jeremiah. Those are ancient words, but they're God's words that will stand forever. Would you please stand and sing ancient words?
I've been told most of my life that most everything has a light side to it, a bright spot, a funny spot. Well, when Pastor Keith called me and asked me to speak about our men's Bible study group and to be done in five minutes, let me tell you something, folks, that's a real light spot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody ever know me to speak about five minutes about anything? <laughs> huh? Five minutes. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up with a phrase that came to mean a great deal to me. And that phrase was, good things happen to those who wait. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I waited and something good happened to me. And that thing that happened to me that was so good and so great was when I walked in and began to participate with this men's Bible study group at eight o'clock on Sunday morning. Blessing upon blessing has come not only to me, but to our family and to our church, to this group of men. I've had this group of men gather around me, put their hands on me, and pray over me during some difficult days in our life. And those were days when Sybil was going through chemotherapy. Days where eight and nine days at a time we never left the house. When she would meet couldn't eat. We talk about God walking with us through the valley. Yes, God walked with us through the valley. But let me tell you something, this group of men, this group of men walked through that valley with us as well. Amen. They were there. They prayed and they held us up. I can't tell you, I can't tell you what that meant to us. Now I love these men. I'll tell you point blank. I love them one and all. But let me tell you something else. Sybil Beeson loves this group of men too. She loves them. And she's not afraid to tell them that she does. But I'm part of a group who's not afraid to pray. I'm part of a group who is not afraid to share. I'm part of a group that wants to serve and to honor the Lord. And as I said earlier, I love this group of men. Now we have our fun, don't you? Don't, don't think we don't. We have our time, our light times, our fun times. They're there. We have just finished a study in the book of Revelation. A book of the Bible that for as long as I can remember a book of the Bible that I've been afraid of. As many times as I've read my Bible through, yes, I read Revelation. But that's exactly what I did. I read it. Under the leadership and direction of Dr. Joe Will. 
Revelation is a real book of the Bible for me now. I learned that I don't have to be afraid of it. That there's some beautiful things in that. And I, 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 I can't tell you, I can't tell you what a pleasure it was for me to be able to learn that. For me to know that, hey, I don't have to be afraid of this. This is God's word. And I don't have to be afraid of it. We're making preparation to begin a study in the book of 2 Corinthians. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying this, hopefully, hopefully to interest some of you other men in being part of that group. Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. We meet in the LEC. Yeah, you can have a sausage biscuit, a chicken biscuit, a good cup of coffee. Good cup of coffee. Hey, you can come and enjoy and be part of that fellowship. I think once you come, if you ever come first time, you're going to come back. You're going to come back because it has that growing effect on you. You, you want to know what's next. What's next in line? And what I'd like to do right now for those men who are part of this eight o'clock Bible study on Sunday morning. I'd like for I'd like for you to stand up. I'd like for just like for you to stand if you're part of that group. Let me tell you folks, let me tell you folks. I love them. I love them one and all. And I love what they stand for as we make our journey through life, trying to serve and to honor the Lord. They mean so much. Thank you, man. Let us pray. Father, it's grateful hearts that we buy in your presence this morning to give you thanks for this beautiful day. To give you thanks, Father, for the privilege it's ours to come and meet together in your house and to study God's word. Father, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, and help us, Father, to be able to glean the truths that are contained in your word. And then, Father, help us as we depart from here to go out into the world and share the gospel of Christ with all that we come in contact with. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and privilege it's ours to give back to you that portion that's rightfully due to you. I think so many times, Father, that if we had just all tithe, that if we'd all give back to God what's rightfully His, what great things could be accomplished, not only here at home, Father, but around the world. The tenth belongs to God. I know, Father, that we have just looked and studied in Sunday school about how important that tenth is. And even back in the book of Genesis, it talks about the tithe, it talks about the tenth. So Father, we know from the beginning how important that really was. So my prayer is, Father, now that you would take the tithes and the offerings, that you would bless them and that you would multiply them, Father, so that the gospel message of Jesus Christ 
might be spread to the far corners of the earth. I pray, Father, for the times that we have failed you, that you would forgive us. And pray, Father, now that as Brother Keith brings God's word to us, that we would listen, that we would be attentive to the things that he has to say to us from your word. I pray that you would forgive us, Father, for the times that we fail you, and that you would lead us always in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. that we have been uh, benefiting from and enjoying together. And I called Ed this week and I said, Ed, can you walk us through the history of the men's group and the wonderful things about the men's group and what's going on now in the men's group and all this, but do it in five minutes. <laughs> so that's where that came from. And Ed, you did pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think even Tim Lancaster would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and for those not in the men's group, you'll have to come and learn about that history there. But, um, and thank you, Sherman, for reading our text this morning. Let me ask you a question this morning. Um, in conversation with family members, whether it's between a husband and wife or, or uh, parents and children or grandchildren, do you ever feel like sometimes you're trying to get a message across and you feel like you're talking to a wall? Raise your hand. You feel like that sometimes? You repeat the same thing over and over again. You think, well, I'm going to say this, but and I hope they hear it, and then you see them, you see it happen again, 
And then you say, well, I'm going to try to come about this maybe a different way. And you say the same thing using different words. You say it again. And you've tried every way. You've tried, you know, raising your voice. You've tried to be very calm about it. You've tried this. You've tried, but yet you still feel like they're not, what I, they're, they didn't hear a word I said. They're still not hearing me. Well, Jeremiah felt a little bit like this, felt a lot like this, as he was called of God to preach a message to the nation of Judah. And he did so faithfully for 42 years. And Jeremiah felt like, and we see evidence, where they didn't hear a word that he said. I love Jeremiah, and he teaches us more about what it means to follow God in spite of everything that seems to threaten to undo us. The faithfulness that Jeremiah exhibited toward the calling that God had placed on his life is absolutely incredible. A lot of times uh, in ministry, uh, for those of you who have led anything in ministry, whether you are a minister or have led whatever, um, whatever that may look like for you, but you know that sometimes you don't always see the fruit of your labor. I have said honestly to, to some that I enjoy, actually I shouldn't say this publicly, but I actually enjoy painting a little bit. And now that I say that, you got everybody, hey, call the pastor, he'll paint. But I, I enjoy painting. Um, and the reason being is that I walk into a room, it looks one way, and just within an hour or a short amount of time, the room can be totally transformed. And I see before my eyes the fruit of my labor. Because in ministry, you don't always see that. Unfortunately for Jeremiah, he preached, he was faithful to God's message for 42 years, and he did not see the fruit of his labor. 597 B.C., again, for the last 42 years, Jeremiah had stood alone preaching to the nation of Judah. He was a prophet called of God to preach, to warn, to plead with the people of God to turn from their ways and seek the Lord's forgiveness and compassion. Over and over, Jeremiah said, that God would punish the people with famine, with sword, with captivity if they did not repent. And unfortunately, Jeremiah um, turned out to be right. And in 597 B.C., the Babylonians, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, swooped down, attacked Jerusalem, killed many, and carried the rest into captivity. Many believe that Jeremiah was left behind because he was not uh, in the hierarchy of, of uh, the priest and of the leaders within the community. But we read Jeremiah 29, verse 1 and 2, and we see that many of the priests, prophets, many of the leaders of that day were the ones carried away into captivity. And Jeremiah and others who, uh, I guess, fell at the bottom of the totem pole were left there in Jerusalem because, I guess, Nebuchadnezzar figured, what are they going to do? Um, but they were left behind. But I want us to, it's, we'll be in Jeremiah today and next week, and I, I think it's important that we understand the significance of Jeremiah's ministry and understand a little bit more about him before we go into the, the heart of the message this morning. But in Jeremiah 1, you can turn there if you like, Jeremiah is called, and in verse 4 it says, The word of the Lord came, came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is talking about Jeremiah. Verse 6, Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. This is Jeremiah talking. Sounds a little bit like Moses. Because I am a youth. Do not say I am a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. And then it says in verse 8 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah, the same thing that Mary was saying for our children's sermon this morning. God says, For I am with you. He tells all of the Old Testament prophets. He tells the New Testament leaders. And he tells us that same message today in a world filled with uncertainty. I am with you. To deliver you, declares the Lord. 
Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, Jeremiah said. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up. There's six things here I want us to look at. To pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. He mentioned six things that he's going to be called to do. The first four have a negative connotation. They say to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow. And, but the last two are positive, to build and to plant. These two words are also in today's text, later in Jeremiah in chapter 29. 66%, I guess roughly, is four out of six, 66%. And, and this, I think, embodies the, the text or the story, the book of Jeremiah, and that most of Jeremiah is gloom and doom. Most of Jeremiah... He is preaching. He is being faithful to what the Lord had asked him to do. He is telling the people, if you don't do this, you're going you know, to be taken over. You need to repent, repent, repent. He comes up with all these analogies and, and ways to communicate uh, and to reemphasize God's message, just like many of you do at home. When you try to get that same message across, you come up with different ways to say it and to illustrate it, hoping that your son, your daughter, your wife, husband, whoever it may be, will get the message. Jeremiah does that throughout Jeremiah. Most of the message of Jeremiah is not good. Jeremiah is saying, look, if you don't repent, if you don't return to me, then this is going to happen. But the places where there are places where there is hope and the places where there is a, a tremendous story of redemption and, and God's love and, and what he can do to redeem the people is also found within Jeremiah. But I think it's, it sums it up in chapter 1 that this is a great summary of the book. You've got four things that are negative, but then you've got two things that are positive, to build and to plant. And as we... Um, go back over to chapter 29, we see that Jeremiah has been given, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 1. These are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and the people whom Nebuchadnezzar has now taken away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Well, the first 28 chapters of Jeremiah are gloom and doom, just like it was predicted in chapter 1. But, verse, but excuse me, chapter 29 begins an incredible message of hope for the people of Israel. They've been carried off now into captivity by Babylon, and you would think that the message at this time would be to run away or to, um, to revolt against the current leaders, but that's not the message that Jeremiah has. Verse 1, he reminds us this is the letter that's been sent to the people. Um, in verse 11 is one of the greatest messages of hope in, definitely in the book of Jeremiah, in one of those top ten verses of hope in all of Scripture. Many of you know it by heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah, this letter, included these words, For I know the plans I have for you, for the, you exiled people here now in Babylon, to give you a future and a hope. Can you imagine what that would have been like had you been there as an exiled resident of Israel, and now you've been taken off to captivity in Babylon, but yet you hear this message from Jeremiah, who's this prophet that most people ignored for the last 28 chapters here in Jeremiah, and now all of a sudden you hear these words of hope in verse 11, that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope, not for your calamity, again, to give you a future and a hope, but sandwiched between the beginning of chapter 29 with the letter and verse 11 about the future and the hope are three verses that I want us to turn our attention to this morning. Verses 4 through 7. Letters are important. They've been important. We've learned that in our study of Revelation in the men's group. We've learned it as you study and look at Paul's life and his letters. Letters have been important throughout time, and they're still important today. They may come in the form of an email or through a 
text, Facebook message, or through some other thing that, that still can be private. But letters are still very important today. And letters, this letter to the people of Babylon was one filled with hope and one filled uh, with a message from the Lord. He told the people to build homes, to plant, and to harvest gardens. And again, remember, they're in captivity. This takes a while. You don't just plant things and, and, and leave next week. So Jeremiah is, and God is encouraging the people and letting them know that be prepared to stay here a while. He also says to marry and give your sons and daughters in marriage that they might increase. A message, again, that there will be no quick turnaround from this captivity. The, the phrase, bloom where you are planted, may come to mind for many of us in the room this morning. You know, you may find yourself, you know, we often tell our children that if they're in a class or if they're just in an environment that, you know, they may not be happy with is stick it out and, and, and make, it, make the best of your current situations. God was saying to the people, stop living out of your suitcase and plan to stay a while. This was not a message that God's people wanted to hear. He was encouraging them again to make the most out of their current circumstances. Jesus was the supreme example of this, was he not? He had some tough circumstances to deal with, not only with his disciples at times and their lack of trust or lack of faith and disobedience, but in the surrounding culture of the time. Jesus often made the best of his circumstances as he was traveling from point A to point B. We know that that's where many of his healings and his miracles had taken place. Uh, it didn't say that Jesus had planned to go to this place to do this, but yet while Jesus was on his way, he was about ministry. He was making the most of his circumstances as he was on his journey. Some examples from recent history of this is, I think, of Corrie ten Boone. Roger Lowe and I were having a conversation about her this week. She was a Dutch watchmaker and a Christian who, along with her father and other family members, helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. She was later imprisoned for her actions. Many of you know her story and how she housed her and her family, housed over 800 or maybe even more um, uh, Jews during this time. Another example that I think of this week is Martin Luther King Jr., who made the most of his current circumstances. It was April the 16th, 1963, and Martin Luther King found himself in a jail cell in Birmingham, Alabama, in prison for nonviolent protest during that time, it was known as the Birmingham Campaign, and they were seeking to draw attention to the segregation against blacks by the city government and downtown retailers. Recently arrested was Martin Luther King Jr., and it was there in that jail cell that he writes the letter that is now known as the letter from the Birmingham jail. His words that were written on the side of a newspaper print was his defense for nonviolent protest against such injustices. It is from this letter that we get the quote from Martin Luther King that says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Martin Luther King used his time in a jail cell to make the most out of his current circumstances. I propose to you this morning that the church in the West is a church in exile. Europe has seen this for many years now, and some in America are having a hard time accepting this. But we are finding ourselves in a place where we never hoped to be and never wanted to be. But yet we find ourselves in a place now where our influence has dwindled. And the Christian nation, the Christian principles that we desire to see throughout our nation within our school culture is simply not where we want it to be. So what is our role 
and living as God's people in an exiled world. I think the message that God would have for us this morning is to embrace our role as an exile and seek his will about how we are to live out our faith in the midst of being where we don't want to be. We haven't arrived in the promised land in the midst of how we like to, would like to see our culture, but nor are we yet in our heavenly home yet as well. So in the meantime, we are people in exile. I looked up this week, exile, let me just make sure everybody's on the same page here, is a state of being barred from one's native country, typically for political or punitive reasons. I looked this up on the internet this week, and there's a long list of people who have been banned from the U.S., as you might imagine. And one of those, most recently, many of you know the name Edward Snowden. And um, I think you would agree that as a country, our external circumstances are never perfect. Um, so in some ways, we always live in Babylon. We can relate to these people in Jeremiah that we are reading about this morning. We're not living in the promised land again, but yet we're not in that heavenly home that Paul speaks of and our Savior does as well. So what is a church in exile to do? How is a church in exile to make the most of its current circumstances? Jeremiah gives us some thoughts about this. In verse 5 of chapter 29, he says we are to build he says, excuse me, we are to plan for the future. We are to build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. We should build, we should plant, we should further our education, we should stop, we should, we should continue to further ourselves. We're in a place where we don't want to be, but that doesn't mean we sit back and we retreat or we revolt, but yet we make the best out of the situation that we've been dealt with. We continue to plan for the future. We continue to advance ourselves. We continue to seek education. We continue to be about the things that we know we are to be about. Verse 6, we are to strengthen our families. Jeremiah says, take, take wives and become the fathers and sons and daughters. Or excuse me, take wives and become the fathers, yes, of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters uh, to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters. And multiply there and do not decrease. We're to strengthen our families. This doesn't mean that we're, that we're perfect and that we do everything that we should, but it does mean that we're to practice what we say we believe within the walls of our home. As Christian people, I would venture to say that's the hardest place at times. We can dress up and look nice and talk nice when we're outside of our walls, but to have a family members that see that Christ is real to us, and he's real to us, and he's real to our family when we're going through tough times and when we're angry with each other. A lot of times we have to confess, you know, I shouldn't have said things. I shouldn't have said that the way I said it. I shouldn't have responded this way. But the world is wanting to see, our families are wanting to see, first of all, that God has called us to be faithful within our own homes as we live in the midst of our exile today, if you will. Are we being faithful in our homes? And then so that's the place where it starts. And then it, and it goes out from there. But, but we are to be people who practice love and grace and forgiveness, kindness and compassion. What are we to do and how are we to live in the midst of our exile? We're to plan for the future. We're to strengthen our families. And then in verse 7, Jeremiah challenges us to seek and work for the welfare of our cities. Verse 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. Welfare here is a translation of the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. You are to seek the peace of the city. Does this mean to do that, that we become career pastors or, 
or ministers who can influence in our community? Does it mean that we become career politicians? Look out to influence our community. For some, it may, it may be the case. But for most, it means becoming a redemptive influence within our trade or within our profession. It means that each of us should work to contribute to the common good. It's moving from a I owe, I owe to off to work, I go attitude to a how can I work today in a way that contributes to the shalom of everyone around me? How can I contribute to the peace and to the welfare of the city in the work that God has called me to do right now in this place? Work towards helping the weak and the oppressed, proactive in helping community members and seeking a better tomorrow. As we work, we also share with others, with strangers, the good news that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the last is we pray, and it was mentioned there in verse 7, to seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare, peace, shalom as well. We are to pray. Two weeks ago, we looked at uh, Timothy and how Paul was speaking to a young Timothy, encouraging him to pray, but not only to pray, but we looked at this idea of praying with action. When we begin to pray about a particular something that we're concerned about, burdened about, we cannot help but to begin to act because God impresses that upon our hearts. If we find ourselves not being able to pray about this thing that we're burdened about, I would encourage you to begin working, begin doing something about that issue, that concern that you're burdened about. And what you will find is that you will begin praying about that issue, about that concern that you have. But we are to pray, and as we do that, to seek the peace of the city. We pray for Boiling Springs. We pray for surrounding cities, Shelby. We pray for Charlotte, the unrest that's been there over the last few weeks. And as we think about our country and other cities that are struggling with great unrest right now, we have profound opportunities for prayer, not only in our own communities, but as we turn on the TV, they're in abundance. Good news, people, the good news in the midst of this is that even in exile, even in exile, the church can flourish. Even in the midst of current circumstances involving issues of race, terrorism, division, that we have, this divisive political climate that we have right now, the church can have a positive impact on the surrounding culture. God has called us to make the best of our current circumstances. He was calling the people who were taken into captivity and the, his people into Babylon to make the most of their current circumstances, and he calls, that, he calls us today for you and I to do the same. Last week, we looked at the same old syndrome. You know, we talked about, I went on and on about the same old this, same old that every day. We also looked at the someday syndrome. This, this idea that someday I'm going to do this. We say that a lot, you know, someday I'm going to do that. Well, I want to propose a new one to you this morning. Here in Jeremiah, we have a message that comes out that uh, I like to call meantime living. The people of God are not where they hope to be. Some may never be there, as it talks about different generations and how long they'll be there. Some may never see the promised land in the sense of what that looks like for them. Some may never, but, but yet at the same time, they're not on the other side yet either. And so they're called to this, what I like to call meantime living. The letter from Jeremiah was sent to the people of God in the midst of their meantime living. This is not where I am, or excuse me, not where I will be or where I hope to be in the future, but it's where I am in the meantime. This is what we are to be about 
You may not consider yourself in the promised land, nor yet in heaven, but again, the meantime living. Life happens in the meantime. In the meantime, we don't sit around and wait. We love, we forgive, we minister, we serve, we spend time with our families and our communities. We invest in the things that are important to us in the meantime. While we're waiting for that thing that we're hoping to experience someday, we live in this meantime, and God has called us to be faithful to Him in the meantime. In the meantime, we serve. In the meantime, we share the good news that's found in God's love in Jesus Christ. As God's people, we are called to make the most of our current circumstances, as the people of Israel were called here in Jeremiah 29. We're to make the most out of the environment and the culture and the space that God has called us to live in. We are part of the people of God in exile, and we are called by God to make the best of our current circumstances. Let us pray for the cities in which we live. Let's be people who seek the peace of the city. There are things that are going on in your life this morning that are distracting you from your relationship with the Lord, distracting you from uh, seeking out the peace of the city. We're going to have a song in a moment after I pray that's going to be a little bit different for our time of invitation this week. And the words will be on the screen. And I want you to stand and sing along. If some, many of you in the room will know the song, some may not. But I want us to use this time as a time of reflection. If there are some of you that need to make decisions, if there are some of you that would like to join the church or uh, have prayer, I will be down front and be uh, happy to receive you. The song is called God of the City, and it's a song by many of you know the artist Chris Tomlin. And I think it embodies the message that we've looked at this morning. God has called, we may be at a place where we don't want to be, but yet God has called us to be his people. He's called us to be faithful, and he's called us to make the most of our current circumstances. You pray with me. God, we thank you for your presence here today. We're thankful that, Lord, you, you don't call us to live in a relationship with you and then step aside. That, Father, you call us to be your own, and, Lord, you walk with us. And has been, as we have been reminded of throughout the service today, Lord, that you are with us. Even though, Jeremiah, the people didn't listen to the thing he had to say, Father, you told Jeremiah and promised Jeremiah, and Jeremiah at times questioned that, as many of us may do, but yet we see countless opportunities when Jeremiah came back to center in his relationship with you. And Father, he felt your presence. We see that as we read Jeremiah in tremendous ways. Father, as people who are in exile, we're living in a country where things we wish could be a lot different, and we hope that things will be better one day. But Lord, while we are here, while we are in Boiling Springs, while we are in Shelby, while we are in whatever city and community we may be in this morning, Father, help us as your people to respond in ways that would please you. Help us to look to you, to pray, to seek the welfare of our city. God, if there are those in this place today that need your touch, that need to be prayed for, that need to be encouraged today, I pray that you would do that as we stand, as we sing, as we reflect. Lord, continue to move among us as we stand and sing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. The words will be on the screen.
You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. The greater things have yet to come. God of this city, you're the king of this people, you're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no.
pray with me. Father, remind us as we live within a community and a culture, Father, that we at times are very uncomfortable with. It goes against a lot of the things that we know to be true and we know to be right. Father, remind us that greater things are yet to come, that, Father, you've called your people to a higher place, to live in a different way, to go against the flow. And, Father, remind us that we are your people and that, God, you choose to use us in the midst of the circumstances that you have placed us in. Fathers, we leave this place. Help us to be your people in our homes and in our communities, our places of employment and around the world. Father, bless us now as we go and bless the food that we're about to partake of. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.